The Nugent Report, the science behind health and nutrition. Welcome to this episode of The Nugent Report, a definitive source for objective information on health and nutrition, featuring Dr. Steve Nugent, the renowned psychologist, author, public speaker, and expert on science, health, wellness, and nutrition. Be sure to visit our website at drnugent.com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Hello, my friends. I'm Dr. Steve Nugent. In the next few minutes, I'm going to be talking with you about the nutrition of aging. Aging doesn't start at the age of 40 or 60. It starts much earlier than that. You'll be surprised with what I have to say on the beginning of aging. And it's also important to note that you change as you age. So what worked for you 20 years ago may not work for you very well today. It's a reality. This is important because very few people have spoken about this topic, the nutrition of aging, how we change as we age and how our nutritional needs change as we age. In fact, I've been doing these lectures for more than 40 years and I haven't spoken on this topic myself even once. So with this in mind, it's a pretty big topic. In fact, it's a topic I should probably write a book on, but we're going to try and condense just some important highlights that I know will be of interest to all of you, certainly no matter what your age. Many people think about dietary supplements as, well, medicines, as something you do when you have a symptom. And you do it, of course, until the symptom goes away. Well, supplements are not medicines. That's not the way they're supposed to be used. Other people think that, well, you use supplements only at certain times of the year. No, that's also incorrect. And then, of course, there are many people who think, well, I'm only going to take supplements and do the right thing for my health for about a month prior to swimsuit season, so I look really good at the beach. No, that's not the right attitude either, I'm afraid. It's a much bigger picture. You know, it's interesting to me, there was a survey in New Zealand that I read a few years back, and this survey said that 97% of New Zealanders believe themselves to be healthy. That's great. But there was another question further down the survey, and the question said, do you take pharmaceutical drugs? 65% of the people surveyed, you know, the people who said they were healthy, said that they took pharmaceutical drugs. Now, folks, do you take drugs if you're healthy? Of course not. What they were really doing is they were thinking about the fact that their symptoms were under control by the pharmaceutical drug. And since they had no symptoms, well, they were well. I don't want you to think about supplements that way, folks. I want you to think about supplements as the nutrition your body requires to be healthy every day, your entire life. And hopefully you'll learn some pretty important things about that in the next few minutes. So then, here are some quick thoughts before we get into the real meat of this uh, particular topic today. Most of your daily requirements of nutrition, 
increase as you age. Many people don't know that. In fact, it can be very dramatic. Actually, dramatic probably is not a strong enough word. Maybe astounding would be a better word with some of the increases that occur as we age. Most people do not get enough antioxidant from diet alone. Now, this is a fact. This is not a question. This is not a marketing point. This is a scientific fact. Most people do not get enough vitamins from diet alone. Also a fact. Most people don't get enough minerals from diet alone. Another scientific fact. And your metabolism and your hormone balances reduce as you age. Also a well-documented scientific fact. And then there's the stress in our world. Stress in our world keeps increasing every year. Pretty dramatically, I would say. And as stress increases, the demand that your body has for more nutrition increases. Now, here's something that might surprise you. You probably never thought about this, but when does aging start? It starts at the moment of conception. Oh, I know, we think about you're conceived and you're beginning to grow. Well, you're also aging, aren't you? The aging process continues in a very positive way as you grow until the age of 28. And that's an average, of course, for some people it might be 29, for some people it might be 30, but 28 is the average that works out pretty strongly in all of the studies done so far. After the age of 28, you begin to decline. So you reach your peak in almost every aspect of your health at the age of 28. There's a couple of things that are a little bit earlier than that, but most things at 28. And then you begin to decline. Now the decline is very slow. It's very gradual at first. So that at first you don't notice that the decline is taking place. You feel great. You probably look great and life is great. But as you continue to decline, things change. So your peak of health is about age 28. For the decades that follow, well, there's a slow decrease. Now, I'll give you a couple of real world examples about how science has known this for decades that you reach your peak around the age of 28. If you wanted to get into the United States Marine Corps officer candidate school, the oldest possible age is 28. For the US Army, the oldest possible age for officers candidate school is 32. So we know where we peak and we know where we're going to be declining and again, the decline is slow at first. We know based on the very first human serum ORAC study, serum means blood and ORAC means oxygen radical absorption capacity. This study was done by a government agency in the US and it was the first study done by a government agency in the entire world. The study was done to determine if people were getting enough antioxidant from fruits and vegetables 
from diet alone to protect them from oxidative stress in 1995, the year it was done. Now, this test was repeated numerous times, and by the year 2012, it was stopped. Why? Because every time they did the study, they found that the antioxidant requirements were going up every year because of oxidative stress in our world, air pollution, water pollution, etc. And when they got to 2012 and they found that you would need at least 13 servings of fresh fruits and vegetables daily to just meet that requirement for antioxidant protection, they just quit doing the study. What was the point? Even a vegan's not going to eat 13 servings of fresh fruits and vegetables a day. People weren't going to do it. And the study pattern or the study trend showed the same thing worse every year. We don't know what that amount might be today, but 13 was enough. In fact, 13 was too much. Who's going to do it? Nobody's going to do it. What did that tell us? If you have common sense, if you're honest and objective, then you would say, oh, if I can't get it from eating food and I do have to have it, then, well, I must take a dietary supplement. Right that told you antioxidant dietary supplements were necessary. Well, there was a, another article published in the Journal of the American Medical Association. And that journal is one of the top scientific journals in the US, and, and I would argue in the world. These medical doctors who did the study drew blood from human test subjects. And what they found was that almost no one was getting enough vitamin from diet alone. And their words, not my words, their words. It appears prudent for all adults to use vitamin supplements. So now we've got antioxidants, we have to take vitamins, and that's not take vitamins if you have a symptom, folks. That's everybody should take vitamins every day. Approximately 75% of Americans take dietary supplements. That number changes a little bit from time to time. Now, that's on top of their diet, of course. And the United States has often been referred to as the breadbasket of the world, where food is so abundant, well, no one should have to go without food in the U.S. All right, so you've got the modern diet, abundant food, 75% of people taking supplements and 90% of Americans are deficient in at least one nutrient. More than 70% of Americans are deficient in a variety of nutrients. What about brain function, energy, your glandular function or your endocrine function, production of enzymes? antioxidant protection we've talked about, digestion, mood, memory, protein metabolism, blood sugar balance, liver health, kidney health, so many things. What about all those things? Are you getting enough nutrient in your diet to support all those areas? Well, the answer is almost certainly no. And since your requirements change as you age, what you were doing last year, is it still enough? 
You need to check. You need to know. And you need to be certain that you should be taking dietary supplements every day, not just when you have a symptom or when it's a particular season. You need to be taking them every day for all of these various aspects of your health for your entire life. Remember, for the average person, the peak of health is going to be about age 28. After that, you have this slow, continuous decrease or decline in virtually all of the body's systems. Digestive enzyme decline actually begins around the age of 20 in a very small way. By the age of 40, the average number per decade is about 13%. So about a 13% decline in your body's ability to produce digestive enzymes. Now, if you can't digest your food, then this changes the equation, doesn't it? If you're trying to get your nutrition from food alone, but you can't digest your food, if it is a known scientific fact, and it is, that your ability to digest your food declines as you age, well, there's another reason to think about dietary supplements every day of your life, especially as you age. 13% per decade. Wow. That explains a lot about the nutritional needs of the elderly. But that'll be a whole different presentation, I think. Well, let's talk about the endocrine system right now, which is also called the glandular system or the hormone system. At first, we'll talk about women, but we're going to talk about men too. Men also have hormones. Men and women alike can be affected by imbalances of insulin, imbalances of the steroids that your own body makes. I'm not talking about drugs. Your own body makes certain steroids all by itself in your adrenal glands. We'll talk a little bit about adrenal glands in a few moments. So men and women both have these reductions and reductions in growth hormone. And of course, reduction in the spectrum of adrenal uh, chemicals that are so important to your health and well-being. Women may experience imbalances in estrogen and progesterone because they're estrogen primary. Whereas men, of course, may experience imbalances in testosterone levels because, well, they're testosterone primary. So what does the endocrine support do? What do those hormones produced by your endocrine glands do? Well, first of all, they support your metabolism, which, of course, it's a scientific fact that for most everyone, your metabolism will slow with age. Now, supporting your metabolism, that talks about energy, but it also talks about cognitive support because if your total systems are slowing down, very often the brain is slowing down as well in its efficiency. It also talks about your ability to not only maintain your muscle mass, but to keep body fat off. As we age, there are exceptions, of course. There are those people that we're all jealous of 
whose metabolisms are just racing all the time and they eat like crazy and they never gain an ounce. But that's not the majority of the world. It's almost certainly not you. It's definitely not me. So with this in mind, your metabolism is a big deal. Now, also, under the, the heading of endocrine support, we have growth and development, sexual function, and reproduction, so fertility. These are all jobs of the endocrine system. By the age of 30, a woman begins to experience metabolism slowdown. 30 is the average. Women begin to see decreases in fertility starting around the age of 30. In fact, the peak age for childbirth, or I should say for pregnancy, is 28. And after 28, then various risk factors begin to increase that may lead to very unfortunate circumstances for their children. By the age of 40, the libido is generally declining in women. And muscle mass begins to decline in women around this point as well. We now have hormones that are not only in a decline, but they are now reaching deficiency levels on average across the board with women. But once you've passed the age of 50, ladies, menopause, low energy and fatigue, more weight gain, memory loss, insomnia. Hormones are now at deficient levels, and this is a problem. Now, it may not be exactly 50, so that's why the, the statistics always say over 50. It might be 55 for someone, but, but you understand what I'm saying. For men, well, by the time a man reaches the age of 30, so he's got pretty stable muscle mass between the age of 28 and 30. But when he reaches the age of 30, now he's beginning to lose muscle mass pretty quickly. And, and it gets worse each decade of life. By the age of 40, men are also having problems with their libidos and function. Hormones are declining to near deficient levels in a man's fourth decade of life. This affects sleep. This affects his ability to keep body fat off. It also affects his cognitive process, general energy and stamina. Muscle mass is in such decline in the fourth decade of life that many men will say things like, I don't quite feel as strong as I used to when I was in my 20s. I don't actually feel like a man anymore. When that muscle mass declines below a certain level, yeah, it will affect a man's psychology, not just his physiology. And that's a whole different lecture to talk about. So by the time a man goes over 50, his hormones are now, they are declining. They are deficient on average. And he feels it. He knows it. It's affecting his energy. It's affecting weight gain, memory loss, cognitive function, strength, stamina, and many more things. All right. Now let's talk about bone health. 
Well, according to CDC, Centers for Disease Control in the U.S., they say, as of 2020, that the average female is going to live to be 80.5 years of age, and the average male is going to live to be 75.1 years of age, and yes, lifespans are declining. In the U.S., the numbers on bone loss may shock you. I give you some percentages right now. I think these percentages are going to help put this in real perspective for you. Maybe it becomes a little more personal at this point. Maximum bone mass is achieved by the age of 20. It's one of those few things that peaks at 20 versus 28. But bone loss in most people is going to start around the age of 37. Now, there is one study I read that showed bone loss decreasing in test subjects as early as the age of 30, but we're going to go with 37. According to the studies, the rate of bone loss up through the age of 50 are the same percentage, the same rates for men and women. It's constant. But the type of bone loss is different. So there are two types of bone. There's cortical bone and there's trabecular bone. Cortical bone is that the outside shell of the bone. Okay, that's the strong outer part that we, we look at visually when we see a bone. The trabecular bone is the bone that's inside of that shell that looks like a honeycomb with a bone marrow in, in around it, okay? Now, men lose mostly cortical bone up through the age of 50, whereas women lose mostly trabecular bone up through the age of 50. On average, it's around 3% per decade for cortical bone and somewhere between 7 and 11% per decade for trabecular bone. Now, the studies vary. I've seen studies that said 5% and, and so on, but the average comes out to around 3% for cortical and about 7 to 11% for trabecular bone. Women, however, here's where a big difference happens with women versus men. Women, however, begin a rapid bone loss of cortical bone mass. They've lost very little up to this point, but now they begin a rapid bone loss of cortical bone mass when they hit menopause. And that's why most of the studies say women in their 50s, and they don't name an age because it's in that range for women, but it's different ages for different women. By the time a woman has reached the age of 60, according to scientific study, she may be declining by as much as 25% every 10 years. That does not bode well if a woman is going to live to be 80 or older. Think about it. This is why at a certain age, we have the reports of women's bones getting uh, brittle and breaking easily because they're now losing so much of the cortical bone as well. And this is pretty serious stuff. So I hope that you'll live far longer than 80. 
My mother just celebrated her 90th birthday. I know we can do better than 80. We can do it if we're doing the right things for ourselves every day. And by the way, as long as we're on bone health, it's important for me to address one of the biggest myths in nutrition. It's, it's been accepted as a fact because everybody keeps repeating it all the time. But it's not a fact. It's a myth. And the myth is that all a woman has to do is take a lot of calcium and her bones will be fine. Sorry, folks. That's not true. It's just not true. Science proves that out. Now, if your doctor is not aware of that, don't be mad at your doctor. No matter how smart your physician is, he or she is a human being. There are millions and millions and millions of studies. They can't read them all, nor do they want to read them all, I'm sure. I read studies every day because that's part of my job. But then I don't treat patients anymore. So I can take the time to do that, okay? So don't be mad at your physician if they don't know some of these facts, okay? Uh, it's, it's real simple. If you don't know something, there's an easy cure. You can just get the information and learn it. I mean, just that's real simple, isn't it? All right. All right, so this myth around calcium, that all you have to do is just take more calcium. Women should take more calcium. And there's a study which is very much in question that everybody grabbed on and published on and nobody bothered to do a thorough check of all women should have 1200 milligrams calcium a day. Not true. It's not true. If a woman has osteoporosis, if a woman is losing bone density, she needs more calcium. Absolutely true. Bones are made primarily of calcium. Absolutely true. But if you take calcium and you don't have enough magnesium and vitamin D to break it down and make it usable for your bones, it won't help your bones at all. In fact, it will give you negative health responses. It can do things like calcify your tissue, calcify your arteries, affect your heart health adversely, significantly kidney stones. I mean, the list goes on. You don't just want to hyperload calcium. It is wrong. It's not the answer. And we know from scientific study that most people, the majority of people are getting sufficient level or more than a sufficient level of calcium from diet alone before they add a supplement. However, the modern diet is not providing sufficient levels of magnesium or vitamin D. That's the answer, folks. That's where you need to look. About, according to scientific study, about 60% of women, about, well, 60% of the population is getting enough or more than enough calcium every day in their diet. Now, if you're having documented bone loss, you need to be under the care of a physician because that's serious. But that would put you somewhere in the lower bracket of the population. That's not everybody. And too much calcium without sufficient magnesium and vitamin D is a problem. So keep that in mind. Since the diet is providing 
modern diet's got tons of calcium in it, just not very much magnesium or vitamin D. Oh, yeah, and you can tell me that you walked out into the sunshine. That's all very nice, except that's not panning out recently with the scientific tests that have been done on vitamin D. Even people who think they're getting enough sunshine, they're apparently not. And, of course, you don't want to get too much sunshine because that has its risks as well. Well, that's a tough one, isn't it? All right, let's talk about muscle loss. As we age, as I mentioned, your muscle mass will decline in both women and men. Muscle mass is, well, it's normal and natural for you to lose somewhere between 3% and 8% per decade of muscle mass after the age of 30. That's pretty typical, pretty, pretty much an average. This rate of decline is even higher after the age of 60. In fact, for many individuals, that 65, that sort of magic 65 number, for many individuals, they're showing a real decline. I mean, a, just a, a very serious decline in muscle mass at that point. And then each decade of life, it gets significantly worse. 56 grams of protein per day for a male, 46 grams of protein per day for a female. Those are the minimum, minimum, not maximum, minimum level to maintain muscle mass on average for the average person of average height and average build. Now, if you're a person who's taller than average or, uh, you know, you're a larger bone mass than average, I don't mean larger fat mass, okay, larger bone mass, so you're a bigger person, right? Then well, that number will have to go up, but the average is 56 for men, 46 for women, based on average height, average weight, etc. Okay. So with this in mind, those are minimums. Now you might think, well, I, I'd probably do that. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. You know, I see people eating way too much carbohydrate, the favorite food of almost everybody on the planet. I want you to eat protein because you need protein to build muscle and cells. Cells are built out of protein. Providing you with protein is not sufficient. Your muscles have to have activity as well. You see, the signal goes from the muscle to the brain. And that signal says, my muscles are now being used. I need more protein. I need to build more muscle. Then the brain initiates the entire complex process to take that protein and turn it into muscle. But you have to have physical activity, folks. Without physical activity, it's not going to work for you. And that doesn't mean kill yourself in the gym. I've been seeing this my entire career to the point where I just shake my head now. Where I see people, especially at the beginning of so-called weight loss season, right? January, right? Right after, right after Christmas. And everybody is saying, I'm going to, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to get fit. They buy a gym membership and the average person uses their gym membership for about three weeks and quits. Okay. So if you go at it like a crazy person, the first thing is you're probably not going to want to keep doing it. But if you happen to reach that point, most people, not everyone, most people will reach a point where they actually 
feel good with the exercise. And then they want to keep it up. Here's the problem. Whatever you choose to do, and it's your choice, folks. Life is full of choices, as I always say. Whatever program you choose, make sure it's a program that you can continue because your body will reset itself. It will reset its metabolism if you do too much every day. And then you find, and it's easy for you to say to yourself, let's say you're 45. It's easy for you to say to yourself, I can keep up this two hours in the gym every day. I know I can. Well, let's see how you feel when you're 55. Let's see how you feel when you're 65. It's unlikely that you're going to be able to do it because your body will be in decline. And you can make whatever kind of rationalization that you want. But folks, listen to me. I want to help you. I want you to be healthy. I want you to live so long, and I want you to live such a healthy life. I need you to be reasonable. Don't do anything that you don't think you can keep up long-term. That's important. Once you downset your metabolism, you may not be able to get it back up, and you're going to be pretty unhappy. Okay, I know because I did it to myself. And I have been fighting the battle of the bulge ever since. So I used to do the two and a half, three hours in the gym every single day. And I was looking pretty good. I was feeling great. And then things happened and I just couldn't keep up that schedule anymore. And I had downregulated my metabolism. It will happen to you as well. Think before you act, please. I want to help you. I want you to be healthy. Whatever program you create for yourself, make sure it's something you know that you will keep up, that you can keep up. That's very, very important. All right, so back to minimum proteins. 56 grams for men, 46 grams for women, minimum to maintain muscle mass, not to increase it, not to build it, but to maintain it. And by the way, if you have activity and you're not taking in enough protein, then you will have muscle wasting. So that's also not good. So if you're increasing your activity, you have to increase your protein as well. Otherwise, you're not going to be happy with your body composition or your health. So here's another factor that's important. When you're taking in protein, protein is the probably the second most difficult thing to digest. You need specific enzymes for that. They're called proteolytic enzymes or enzymes that digest protein. If you're not making enough of those, and remember your enzyme levels are going to be declining as you age. If you're not making enough proteolytic enzyme to digest the protein, guess what's going to happen? You will not absorb that protein. You will not use that protein. That protein will not help you build muscle or cells or anything else. Let's talk about enzymes. I've already alluded to enzymes a couple of times, but We don't talk enough about enzymes. Can we need to do more of it? And a lot of people think, well, I take a probiotic, isn't that enough? No, it's not enough. A probiotic is not an enzyme. It's a probiotic. Different function, different thing completely. All right, enzymes. There's some pretty famous doctors out there. There's a Dr. Edward Howell, who's a, 
He's thought of as the father of enzyme research in the United States and a Dr. Wolf in Germany. They've both done a lot of uh, research on enzymes with aging. And they know some things about the gradual decrease in enzyme output as you age. They know that you may have a reduction by more than 60% of your ability to produce enzymes by the time you reach the age of 55. It can vary a little bit, but it's in that range. There's two kinds of enzymes. There's digestive enzymes. That's what almost everyone thinks about when you say enzyme. And then there's systemic enzymes. They're, they're two different things, all right? Two different purposes, two different functions. So digestive to digest your food. Systemic helps you in your blood. It has to get into your blood. So it has to get through your stomach and into your blood. And then it can help you things, uh, help you with things like joint health and mobility and, and uh, you know, that sort of thing. Soreness of your muscles, that sort of thing, all right? So systemic enzymes are very, very important. And digestive enzymes, of course, are, are, are critical. All right. If you're doing things to stimulate yourself, to stimulate your metabolism, like some kind of stimulant, either natural or synthetic, it could be something as simple as too much caffeine. Or if you're on a very high-protein diet, now you might be confused, but, but he was saying take protein. Yes, but balance is wellness. I don't want you to think in extremes or absolutes. Stay with me on this. Some people are eating an almost exclusively protein diet. This can deplete your enzyme stores, according to Dr. Wolf uh, and Dr. Howell. So balance is wellness. Don't go to extremes. Don't go crazy, all right? Because that can affect your health adversely as well. Take digestive enzymes before every meal, not once a day. They don't stay in your stomach forever, okay? Need to take the digestive enzymes before you eat. All right. Now let's talk about oxidative stress. We really started with oxidative stress on this talk, so kind of rounding back to it. Oxidative stress, what is it? The best way to describe it is rust. R-U-S-T, rust. Rust is oxidative stress on metal. Okay, all right. So you're not made of metal, and you're saying in your mind, well, I don't rust. Well, <laughs> if you have looked at cells under microscopes as I have, and you've seen cells that have been attacked by free radicals, it looks an awful lot like rust. It's damage to your cells. You don't want it. Oxidative stress accelerates the aging process inside and out. It accelerates the aging process of your skin as well, makes you look older. But inside, it's quite serious. Oxidative stress is connected to a long, long list of health concerns. So you want to make sure that you're getting enough antioxidant every day. I've already talked about how you should get it. You should get antioxidant from vegetables and fruit. But the studies show us that you're almost certainly not getting sufficient levels. So with that in mind, you need to take a supplement. Scientific evidence shows us that more than 75,000 synthetic chemicals 
have been put into Earth's environment, the air, the water, the soil. And if it's in the soil and the water, guess what? The plants we grow and the animals that eat the plants, they get that stuff in them as well. And you can say, well, it's an organic farm. That's nice, except you can't stop pollution from traveling around the planet. There is no magic shield over organic farms. It's going to rain and snow on those farms. And these toxins are moved around the planet 24 hours a day in weather systems. This is why you can find, as an example, farm pesticide in the snow and the ice of the North Pole and in the fatty tissue of penguins at the South Pole, two places that are thousands of miles or thousands of kilometers from the nearest farm. You cannot protect your farm. You can do the best practices of organic farming, and by God, I do recommend to everybody that you buy organic wherever you can. But don't fool yourself. I don't care where you live. You cannot stop these toxins from going where you live. You can't do it. It's not possible because planet Earth is a closed ecosystem. Take your antioxidant every day, every day. This is important. Well, we know something else. I get fired up on that particular topic. We know something else. And that is that when synthetic compounds come in contact with each other in water, they form new compounds that no one else ever thought about, that were never intended to be made, that we don't even know for sure what they do. And that means that there's no way of knowing how many new synthetic chemicals are on planet Earth. There's no way to know. And that number grows all the time. Every year it grows. Take your antioxidants. Do it every day. Yes, eat as many servings of vegetables and fruit, and it should be more vegetables and less fruit. It should be mostly vegetables. Do it organically wherever you can. But understand, you still need to take an antioxidant. All right, folks, I think you have more than you need for this presentation. You know what to do as the basics. But the point to reinforce here is, as you age, you change. As you change, your nutritional needs change. Keep up with the changes. If you do, then you can beat the odds. That's the way I see it. Listen, I'm setting my sights to live to be 167. I'm not going to explain that right now, but that's a, that's a time that I've picked. You need to set your sights way up there. Believe you can do it. You can do it. But make sure that you're taking the right nutrition to support your body for the optimal state of wellness and your optimal possibility of longevity. That's what you need to do, folks. And I appreciate the time that you've taken to watch this presentation. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nugent Report. Visit our website at drnugent.com for more objective facts about health and nutrition and email your questions and feedback to info at drnugent.com. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at The Nugent Report. Stay informed. Get the facts with The Nugent Report.